Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hel- Pete. Hello, you know what? Nikki something Kinzer? I noticed what? just now. What? Is What'd that your? Are you on your stand? Are you standing up? I am. It's exhausting. Because last week you were sitting down. I was. So you maybe know, you need to sit back down. Yeah, probably. But you know, we're here now. Let's see how it goes. Okay. You know, I'm All trying right. to push myself. This is in reference to the to Pete be living in post-COVID universe. And I'm not supposed to be standing up, but I'm standing up anyway. I was anyway. going to say, so Curse Pete Wright, Pete, Pete, Pete. Yeah. Is your fine. doctor saying, oh, you should push yourself? Uh, is your doctor saying that? I don't know. I no longer take her calls. Oh, <laughs> I see how you are. But if you need to sit down, we can, you know, pause this recording and get you, you know. I appreciate it. Heated because I worry about you and I'm so glad you're here and I would like you to be here next week. I would also like to be here next week. So here we're going to plow through. Uh, I we're talking about uh, reclaiming email today. Last week we talked about transitions uh, and, you know, I feel like after being away for so long, it's uh, my email got kind of out of hand. And it's interesting and ironic that you already had reclaiming email on the schedule as something that we're going to talk about this week. Uh, Well, it's a very timely time for me to be talking about this. Uh, Before we head into that, however, uh, go visit TakeControlADHD.com. You can get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. And if this show has ever touched you, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Patreon allows us to be a listener supported show. That means your direct donations fund the work that we do on this show. It funds our ability to come back here week after week. It funds hosting. It funds tools, microphones, all those things. It funds all of our interaction in the community. Uh, It is an incredibly important way to keep this show running. Also, there's perks. If you are a supporter at the the uh, uh, $5 or higher level, you get to join us for live streams of this very show. You could come and watch us do this thing, and likely you could watch Pete screw up all the time. Oh, he, and me. He cuts all that stuff. Makes both yeah. of us sound really smart. 
Uh, and uh, thank you, Pete, for that. Really, well, you're welcome. thank you. I got my hat to you. <laughs> uh, and and so you can join us for live streams. You can join the ADHD community. Get access to members-only channels in our Discord server. There's all kinds of great stuff uh, um, that uh, that goes on through Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/TheADHDPodcast. Those who have already joined our community there, we deeply appreciate you. To those who are still considering, check it out. Water's great. Nikki, we have some news. Yes. We have some announcements. So uh, I have a coaching group that's coming up in the fall. Uh, It's a little different than what I've done in the past. It is for women only. Not to say that I won't ever have another coaching group for men too. It's just this time around, I'm going to do something a little bit different. And we're actually uh, doing almost like a book club where uh, for 10 weeks, we get together and we will be covering the book, A Radical Guide for Women with ADHD. And this is written by uh, Sari Solden and Dr. Michelle Frank, who we have had on the show before. And uh, each week we'll go over a chapter. And uh, it is a really great group. It is a group that um, is very dedicated. So for people who are interested in really diving deep into what it means to accept your ADHD, what it means to embrace your uh, challenges, uh, all of those things. Um, it's a great opportunity to, to get together with a group of women and really um, talk about some good stuff. And uh, it is going to begin the week of September 14th. I have two groups that I'm offering and I am only letting eight people into each group. So space is, a, is very limited. Uh, I already have people signed up. So if you are interested in this group, um, please enroll before it gets filled up uh, or the deadline, whichever comes first is Monday, September 7th, which happens to be my birthday. Oh, uh, Thank you. Uh, Not yet, but you can hold that thought and then you can wish me happy birthday again (laughs) on September 7th. Okay. Um, But uh, one thing that I do want to offer is I've had some questions about the group because it is different and they want uh, to know a little bit more of what to expect. So if you are interested, but you have questions for me, I welcome you to email me directly at Nikki, that's N-I-K-K-I, at TakeControlADHD.com. And uh, I'm happy to talk with you. I'm happy to, to get on the call, or get on a phone call, uh, chat through email, whatever. So if you have questions, let me know and, and uh, I can tell you a little bit more about what to expect. Uh, The second announcement I have is for study hall. So I have been offering a study hall on Thursday afternoons. And the next session that I have for the study hall uh, is going to start on September 17th. And it ends when, Pete? November November 19th. The day before my birthday. The day before your birthday. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, lots of birthday celebrations here at Take Control ADHD. So uh, the study hall is for four hours on Thursday afternoons. And uh, it's from one to five Pacific or four to eight Eastern. And uh, what the study hall is, is it's basically like a body double, but with several people. And you can be on camera, you can be off camera, it doesn't matter. But we do like you to share uh, what you're working on and and let us know how the study hall went for you. And uh, it's a great opportunity to get things done. I enjoy it. I depend on it. I know there's lots of other people that do too. Again, if you have any questions about how study hall works, um, please let me know. You can again uh, email me individually or you can visit our website. 
Uh, each session uh, is $10. And if you buy all 10 sessions, you actually get a discount. So check that out too. So that is, uh, those are my announcements, Pete. That concludes the news of the week. We're talking about email. And to do that, I can think of no one better to join us on the show than our very own community manager, Discord mom, Melissa Batchelor. Hello, Melissa Batchelor. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, Nikki oh, Kinzer. Hi, Melissa. So weird. <laughs> so nice to have you here. It's nice to be here. It is weird to be here on this side of things. Normally, I'm chatting in the live stream. And watching what's going on and not being the one that's going on. You are the one that's going (laughs) on, that's for sure. Well, you know, and so to set a little bit of context, uh, uh, Melissa and I have been doing some members-only series over the last couple of years where Melissa kind of leads us through the uh, an an email purge. Uh, The annual, I think it's now annual email purge. It is annual. That's very cool. Uh, And so, you know, for people who are members of the community, we have a special sort of mini series that we do where we just kind of walk through what are you thinking about each week for four weeks? Uh, And, um, you know, what are some tools you can use? What are some new tools you may not have explored that have have taken hold over the last year? That kind of a thing. And so we talk about Mm -hmm. both sort of methodology and practicality, but also, um, you know, what is it that you're thinking about and and what does email mean for you? And and, um, uh, it has been... a, a I think a great, it's certainly been a great tool for me. Uh, it, it is always a useful process to kind of revisit how I approach email. And uh, Melissa is uh, here to join us and talk about kind of her experience with email. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about some practical things, but also, um, you know, what are some, what's some, some theory that we're operating under around our relationship with email today? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and what, what I'm going to do. Wanna, do? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to listen, okay. but I'm also going to ask questions where I see fit on um, sort of in the lens of of my clients yes. and some of the issues that I see when they come to me about email. Now, a lot of it you probably have already you know, written down and are going to talk about, but just in case, I'm looking sure. out for um, those people as sure. well. I'm going to ask questions. Well, I think, uh, what do you think, Melissa? Where would you like to start? Maybe we'll start with where I started in all of this and how I kind of came to be a part of this whole email process. Um, I am in no way a technological genius like Pete is. Um, In fact, during our yearly purges, I have learned so much about keyboard shortcuts and different email processes and that... um, So I don't want anybody to think that I'm on the tech side so much as I am on more of the organization and the getting control of something unruly like email. Um, We started the annual purge back in 2018. And when I started, I had three email accounts with over 37,000 unread email messages and that's just the unread. That didn't account for, you know, everything else I had gone through. And it was all sitting in inboxes. And I <laughs> merged it into one account uh, where I could kind of see everything. And um, it was overwhelming to see, what am I supposed to do with this? I mean, some of my email was 
going back 10 years. And at that point, yeah. it's not even worth keeping. Uh, but it's like, okay, how do I go through and delete individually 37,000 emails? And well, and, and two, like I, I struggle with that too, because, you know, if I go back to 10 year old email, the nagging thing in the back of my head is wait a minute. Like I, there are things in there that I know I can delete, but there might be things in there that are financial documents or whatever, mm -hmm. things that I've been, that, that well, I, I mm -hmm. saved there before I had a better process. Mm -hmm. right. And I really don't want to go through everything. <laughs> I really, really don't want to go through everything. But there is that nagging anxiety of what if. It's a very common fear. Yeah. That, and that was part of my issue too. I had a lot of uh, old documents and... Um, things that needed saved and but knowing that it's there but not wanting to go through and put into folders and uh, it it would take me a lifetime i think yeah <laughs> because right. email doesn't stop there's still new emails coming yeah. in and so trying to to handle that on top of everything else um seemed like it was a challenge that I almost couldn't even overcome because yeah. it, it seemed insurmountable. Well, and I, I find that, you know, this this is applies to our very own Discord chat server, right? That we when we talk to people about it or feeling overwhelmed, it's because it's a river, right? It never stops. Mm -hmm. It's a river and you just have to jump in wherever you are and and search for topics that are important. But don't let the fact that it never stops overwhelm you. Just know that it's a river. Well, I think the same thing can be said of email now, right? That may not have been the case 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Right. But now email itself is just as much a river as every other note notification stream uh, that that we have. Absolutely. And I feel like email is continually rushing. It, it never seems like it's coming to a trickle. There's always something coming in. Um, everywhere you go, you have to sign up for an email if you want to be a part of a program or get a discount mm -hmm. or just find out what's going on. And some of those you want to get and some of those you don't really care about. But regardless, they all they all keep coming. It, it doesn't mm -hmm. stop. And that can be really overwhelming. And it was for me, uh, for sure. Um, but in the end, I ended up just doing a kind of a select all archive and uh, moving it into a separate folder all by itself where I can easily search. All 37,000? Pretty much, yes. I mean, I think yeah. I did go through a time where I was trying to delete in batches where I would mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. it filter out a certain email address and then just delete all of them available. But even then, I was only deleting 100, 150 at a time. And yeah. it just... <clears throat> when you're working on a project that you don't really want to be working on, knowing that it is getting longer and longer just makes it that more difficult to get started on working on it in the mm -hmm. first place. Mm -hmm. I, I I want to talk just a little bit about merging those accounts mm -hmm. into into a single email address because I think that's really important and I think it is it's one of the things that shocks people who have multiple email accounts for whom having separate email accounts is the fundamental like differentiator between their blocks of life right like that I have a personal account and I have a work account and I have a this account and something you know what is it. Uh, how has m merging your accounts affected the way you think about incoming email? 
it is less steps rather than yeah. I have to go to Outlook and to Gmail and to Hotmail, wherever your, your email sits. It's all in one place and I can just scroll and, you know, archive or take care of whatever I'm going to do with my email all in one place in one process and reducing the amount of steps reduces the amount of brain function that I have to put into taking care of my email at any given time rather than having to go here and take care of it and then open up another browser and go here and take Mm -hmm. care of it. it. It's so much easier to have it all in one place. Well, and and that simplicity, I think, is is the thing that people who haven't gone down that road, uh, they they haven't experienced that yet, right? Mm-hmm. For me, I switched to one main email account, and I live through filters, right? I live through email addresses that that I've uh, or aliases that I've created in that email account that deliver email and are filtered out of my inbox based on sort of their utility for me. So I might have uh, a separate email address that I use or that is an alias in my main Gmail account that I only sign up for services with, mm-hmm. right? I have one that's only for bill services that I do. And then all of those get filtered into their own Gmail folders, their little labels, and immediately removed from my inbox. So those new messages get filtered to a different place so that I know, that's like my step one, that I know uh, my inbox only contains the things that were sent directly to me, Pete, not things that were sent to me as a subscriber of a service. That is step one of freeing myself from having to maintain multiple email addresses to manage that same function. It's all in one place. I can search in one place and find exactly what I need when I need it. And um, and that has been an incredibly powerful sort of step one, right? That, Absolutely. that it allows me that freedom. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about like uh, that 500 emails coming in on any given day uh, because most of them are going to get filtered out right. at any given point, right? That's that's a big transition. Well, I, I want to just talk a little bit about this idea of reclaiming email before we dig into more practicalities because I think that that insinuates its own sort of um, uh, part of email, living with email that, that we need to address, right? That... Um, we we know already, and we've talked extensively on this show and in the community about the value of a well-manicured email system, right? Do you personally value Inbox Zero, getting down to zero email in your inbox at the end of every day? Great. Do you value the workbox where you're sending your email into a, some sort of task management system? Great. Do you manage your work in your inbox? Do you use your inbox as a to-do management system? If the email still lives in your inbox, it means you haven't acted on it. Well, you know, great. That's great. All of those are fine. But we should address the real question here. If you're listening to this and you've heard us talk time and again about email bankruptcy and starting over and all of that stuff, but you find you're in a position to reclaim your email again, the fact that you have thousands of email messages in your inbox is stressing you out again, ask yourself how you got back into this position, right? That's the reclaiming part of this subject, that we know all of the rules that we have like set up in our minds to manage our email but somehow we have not made the emotional leap to sustainability, to sustain those rules uh, on those incoming email 
you know, signals that continue to, to get us. So let me just say as a caveat, uh, it should go without saying that it is completely okay that wherever you are in this process, you may have 50,000 unread emails in your inbox. There is no shame about that. No one is judging you for email performance because that would be perverse and pathological. Uh, even if you get the sense that somebody might be joint judging you somehow about how you run your email, that person is not us because we, right. we would not cast those stones. I like thinking about email now. But I think this is maybe a mark to how I've changed in my uh, thinking about email. I, as, as most things, you start out sort of methodologically hardline and get softer as time goes by, right? And I think had you asked me and probably did uh, five years ago how to handle email, I was aggressively pro workbox and pro inbox zero. And it was it, it is so easy to give advice from a platform of that kind of rigidity. Uh, <laughs> it's like do, do <laughs> not follow it. Yeah, exactly. Do this, <laughs> don't do that. Or even if you do follow it, it's like the one true way to manage email is. Uh, and, right. and, you know, we, we soften with age and experience. And I care so much less about that kind of rigidity. The only thing that I know, the, the only thing that is truth and fact is that email continues to come. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you just have to make peace with it and, and figure out what it is. So the first thing is, like, I don't want to start talking about inbox management, right? I would rather talk about email goals and objectives. What is important to you about how you use email? What do you want to accomplish with your email, right? What utility is it to you? Uh, what do you want your email inbox to do for you, right? Do you want it to become a searchable resource of all communication that has ever crossed your path? Or, or do you want it to be a lean kind of uh, uh, inbox signal that you can then use to migrate to other services and tools? And finally, what external constraints do you have on your work and life that impact how you relate to your email? And I'll t say this specifically, some work situations require email response inertia. And we get this all the time where people say, well, at work, none of what you say will help me because I have a boss that requires me to answer email, et cetera, and do this and do that and do this. I get it, replies per hour, et cetera. We are not talking to you here, right? So feel mm -hmm. free to gate this conversation and know that we're talking to the part of you that has a personal email address. We're not talking to you about your work email if you have those kinds of constraints. And I hope that's clear because I recognize that there are rules that you have put upon you by your organization or your manager that we do not understand. Well, I do have a question because everything you're saying here makes complete sense to me. I'm still thinking, though, what if I still have 37,000 emails that I'm looking at? Do we, just to be clear, then do we say archive those and start over and then start looking at these questions that we're going to be going over? Like, what do I do with those emails? I'm not going to say that because I don't think you can actually come to terms with what you want to do with those emails until you come to terms with what you want your inbox to do for you. Mm -hmm. You might be somebody who says, you know what? I really, really love having all those emails in my inbox. I love it so much because I can just scan down. I know where the last subject was. I have a real sense of like spatial memory of my mm -hmm. inbox. I know where in the list certain like keywords are because I live there all, all all the live long day, right? And and right. I, that's just how I like living. And if that's the case, bully for you. 
right? That's that's great. And I'm not going to judge you for living that way. I couldn't do it. I would be wildly ineffective if that were if that were me and if living like that actually causes you stress well then let's go on if it does not All cause right. you stress there is nothing wrong about it right? right if right. you're not missing bills if you're not missing notifications if you're answering you know the right things for your employer or you know contracts whatever then go ahead and skip to next week's episode that's mm-hmm. fine we're done you have graduated. You've already claimed your email at that point. That's right. That's right. You have a badge. Okay. But I'm still wondering, though, about the people that do want to claim their email, mm-hmm. but they still have the 37000 they but they do want to do something different. Okay. If that's the case, then I, I recommend we continue on to step two. Uh, okay. Because the, the second thing that I like to think about after you've th- thought about what how you want to interact with your inbox, do you want it to be this resource archive? Do you want to just get really good at search? And I know Melissa can't wait to talk about search. Uh, <laughs> do you, you know, what is it that you want to do with your email? Then you talk about workflow after you've decided, okay. here's how I want to live with my email. Then I have to decide with, uh, decide how I want to interact with it, like a workflow and mechanics, right? With an toward what makes most sense for you. And I would add simplicity, right? It, mm-hmm. it all comes back to, to Walden, right? Simplify, simplify. The more complicated you make your email flow in the interests of organization, the more mysterious and tangled your email flow will be. The more rules, the more folders, the more likely your system will fall into process decay and entropy right? The, our goal here is to find the minimal system possible to meet your needs. And this is with an eye toward ADHD. I find, and Melissa, I deeply want your thoughts on this, that when I was operating in a rigorous folder-based mentality where every, you know, every time an email came in, I was like, oh, well, that's from Nikki. I better put that in the Nikki folder. Well, that's from Nikki, but it's also related to this project. I better put that in the Nikki slash project folder. Living that way caused me to get more behind over time, not less. It caused me to be less organized, not more. What's your experience? I completely agree. I think in that instance, you're focusing on the tool itself and the organization uh, aspect that you're wanting to accomplish and not actually accomplishing it. And you're spending all of your time hoping that it's going to be, you know, in the right place and that you'll remember where you put it and, you know, putting all of the round pegs into the round holes and not actually focusing on the work that needs to be done. And mm-hmm. the that shouldn't be the point of the processes you put in place. They sh- They should fall into the background to easily help you get your work done which is the whole point of being in your email in the first place. Oh, I agree with both of you. And I think uh, when Melissa was just speaking, I was thinking it's it's that whole sort of trap that we fall into that organizing feels like it's work, mm-hmm. but it's you're not doing the work. You're it, it, it's it's just making it way too complicated and you're not actually getting to whatever the email's asking you to do. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. Simplify. It also feels like, I mean, it feels like you've checked something off your list, 
right? So it, yeah, it, it right. feels like you're being productive. It also feels like you finished something and that's a dopamine push. So the act of being overly organized can actually feel emotionally satisfying in a way that is totally unproductive. You haven't shipped anything. You haven't changed a relationship. You haven't moved anything forward. All you've done is file. And, uh, and, and so in the interests of like minimizing system bloat, uh, you, you've got to figure out the easiest way to grease the skids to actually get work done. And, and that has been, uh, well, that's been transformative in my interaction with email. And I still get people who don't trust my system and they'll send me an email. I'll get an email from somebody at 10 o'clock and they'll say, here's a project I need you to work on real quick. And then by four o'clock, they'll write me again, just making sure you got that email. Well, I did get that email and I've actively been working and I haven't checked my email yet. But believe me, my process, my email is pretty bulletproof now because there is no clutter. There's no clutter in my inbox anymore. That has changed, changed my reality, right, in a, in a pretty significant way. So uh, the, the last thing that I, I want to think about in terms of these sort of uh, my mindset around email, right? We focus on what I want my inbox to do for me, focus on the mechanics with an eye toward how I work. And three, uh, only learn what I need to move forward, right? Most of these email apps and tools and systems allow you to do a lot. Like I, I can't imagine what it would be like to carry around the size of head that I would have if I learned everything about Gmail and Spark, my mail app, like all at once. It would be physically larger. It's so deep, like those apps. You can do so much. But I really have mastered the tools that I need to do the job quickly and uh, and and sort of chew my food before I swallow, you know? Like, I, it, you don't have to learn 100% of everything. You have to learn the one next thing that's going to change the way you interact with your, with your email that will, that will impact your overall well-being and happiness and joy and, and, uh, and help you feel in control. Uh, so th those are kind of my big three. Uh, M Melissa, what do you think? I agree, obviously, with all of um, what you said. I think that... To begin with, we need to realize what kind of relationship we have with our email. Um, I like to say that a lot of us have a almost like a, a negative relationship, almost like a, a bad boyfriend-girlfriend relationship where you just need to kind of break up with your email and say, you know, that this isn't working anymore. And just mm -hmm. reframe how you look and interact with something that's ultimately just a piece of software that, you know, sends information to you. And yet, I think a lot of times we get bogged down by the, you know, the sheer volume that comes in and the amount of work that we may have that uh, is coming in or our bills and not being able to see kind of the tree through the forest because it, it's so overwhelming. And it's all about learning how to make your email work for you and not make it feel like you are working for your email. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree that uh, it really starts with changing how you interact with email and taking time to learn what you want out of your email because it'll do what you tell it to do. And 
Well, and so we should talk about that. Like, how do you interact with email today? Like, what is your, let's get, let's take a give, happy Monday. Today is Monday. What does an email Monday look like for Melissa? Um, so I tend to check my email only a couple times a day. Um, and one thing that I did a long time ago, I think it was during our first purge, is I turned off notifications. That was a huge step towards staying focused during the workday. And because you, you'll constantly get pop-up notifications, I pretty much turn off all notifications if I can help it. Um, because that is, that is mind-blowing, I know, for a lot of people. So just hear not, that the way it is. They're not necessary. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. nine times out of 10, no notification you receive is going to require an immediate response. Well, and, and I would throw into that uh, because I'm sure there are people listening to this who are like, no, no notifications, but you guys are all about alerts and alarms. And I want to say, yes, hallelujah. The problem is if you leave your device or your computer or whatever on by default with all of its default notification settings, you are notified for everything, which means your the notifications you set for your alarms and such actually mean nothing mm -hmm. because right. it's always buzzing. If you turn off notifications for your email, but set one alarm that says, you know what, at nine o'clock, I need to check my email. That alarm will mean something, right? That will be that's a higher exactly value right. alert. So uh, I'm right. sorry to interrupt. No, I no, I, sure that's in there. I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, it's all about notifications with purpose. You need yeah. to have made the conscious effort to require a notification for yourself rather than your, you know, system telling you when you should be notified. When you have ADHD, it's all too easy to get distracted. And a shiny little pop-up box that says, hey, you know, you got an email that there's a sale. It, it Honestly, it makes no difference in the moment that you got a new email. But the ability to be easily distracted can take you over to your email inbox and soon you're, you know, scrolling through a sale at a store that you had no intention of buying at to begin with. And you wonder, how did I get here? Well, a lot of times it starts with those little notification pop-ups. So unless you mm -hmm. purposefully set your notifications and alarms, you really don't need the... Uh, other notifications with stores and things that you've ordered from they'll put you on their mailing list and then they'll send you an email every single day sometimes twice a day mm -hmm. right but you can actually go in and change your preferences so if you still want that email but you want it once a week or even you know whatever choice they give you you can decrease the amount of of emails you get that way too. So just letting people know that there is an option to change your preferences. They just put you at the highest one right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So so that's Monday's M uh, Melissa notification settings. What's next? I will normally um, start the day, the work day with checking email. I get a little news app, so I'll check the news. I will archive anything that I don't need in the moment. And the rest, I will move into my uh, workbox of choice, what happens to be Todoist. And that sets up the tasks for me to accomplish whatever in the emails that I need to take care of. And then I can archive the email because I've already moved it to where it needs to go so that I know as I work through my day that uh, I need to uh, 
go work on a certain email and I can actually link it right back to my email provider from Todoist or, you know, whatever uh, program that you choose or doesn't even, you can use a pad and a pen and it works just as well. It's all really about whatever system works for you. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then that's, that's transformational for me, just being able to send with a keyboard shortcut, you know, for me, I've set it up in spark. So an email comes in, I hit shift command T, it opens up a new task in Todoist with the link back to the email in in Spark right. so that I can, once it's in Todoist, when I'm finished with the work, I click on the link in Todoist, it opens up a new email that I can then reply to and say, hey, this job is done. But it's already cleared out of my inbox. It's it's in deep in the Gmail archive, right. just kept as reference. Yeah. Yes, I see the inbox as work that still needs to be done. And so if I don't move it, then I think that it's still a task that I need to take care of. So moving it out of my inbox and into the space where I actually, you know, take care of my tasks every day keeps me organized and make sure that I'm not missing anything. And I love when my email um, inbox is clean and it's at zero and says, there's no work to do. And that (laughs) feels really, really good. I just want to point this out. You at one point had 37,000 emails. Mm -hmm. And you transformed or changed that whole process and came to a point that you just explained now. So it's very, very possible. Um, My question is, how long did it take for you to have this be a routine where you could daily know to go in and move those inboxes, right? Because that's a routine. That's something that you have to like pay attention to. So I'm curious how how long that took you to do. Um, it's still a work in progress. I think mm-hmm. um, there are days that I'm really good about it and I can go a, a full week with making sure that I'm up on my email and maybe there's an illness or I, you know, take a break from technology for a little bit and come back and there's 150 emails to go through and it may take a a little bit to get back on track. Um, So I would not say that I have mastered it or that it's something that I have, you know, constantly going for me. Um, Most of the time it uh, stays pretty clean and I keep up on all of the the email coming in. But it's a it's a daily challenge to make sure that I'm keeping up on it just because it is such a I almost want to say it's alive. Like it just keeps growing. Like it doesn't stop. The emails are still going to constantly be coming in every day. Right. And so it's a constant um I have to constantly be aware of it and make sure that I'm keeping up on it, making sure that I keep the numbers or the uh, schedule in my list of things to do to check that email at the times that I designate and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, take care of what's in there so that I don't get behind. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's such a great answer for people to hear too, that this isn't something that's just going to be like magic. Like it is um, a process and it's always a, it's always a work in progress, mm-hmm. right? So there's going to be a great week and then there's going to be a week that you fall behind. As we, Pete had mentioned earlier, he fell behind from having an illness. So I, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, that. absolutely. And I think that, um, the 
part about, you know, when you fall behind, when you put those practices in place and the different filters and things like that, it makes it a whole lot easier to get back on track once you have those routines and those different filters and things in place. It it's not as hard to come back to where you want to be as it was when you first started with, you know, 40,000 emails. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I can point. say I ended up with, uh, over the course of July, you know, I get two or 300 email messages a day. And so that's thousands and thousands of messages that have dropped into my email. But thanks to just a couple of quick filters and this alternate alias email address, I only ended up with maybe 60 that were in my main inbox that hadn't been filtered out that I needed to deal with mm -hmm. on some personal level. And that's a, that is a much more manageable uh, kind of interaction than, uh, than, you know, just having to filter through all of those things manually. So letting, letting the system think for you through filters or any sort of automation can, can go uh, miles toward, uh, you know, reclaiming sanity around your email. And to do that, it's it's pretty easy. You can create in, in Gmail, we're talking specifically about Gmail, because, um, you know, we use uh, Google apps for our, for business. And but you know, it's the same for any just regular Gmail account, I believe it works the same way in Yahoo, um, you can just perform a search and create a rule, right? Just it, it is that easy, like they want you to create uh, rules around these things, you can also go into settings, and then uh, folders and create or put labels, and you can create labels that allow you to filter directly into certain labels, which end up looking like folders or buckets in in depending on what email application you use. Uh, it is incredibly easy to create these sort of automations. I want to introduce a different uh, a different tool that is really really new, and I don't um, I don't have a lot of experience with it yet. But uh, have you guys heard of Hey.com? Mm, no, no, but I like it already. Okay. Hey. No. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> so, Hey is an interesting thing. It's from the company behind Basecamp and they went about trying to um trying to reinvent email, right? They they tried to to see like what if we put all of our smarts toward email stress mitigation. And they start with this whole model where you sign up for a new email address, you pay 99 bucks a year. So it is a, a paid service. But listen to how it works. The first thing that happens is you set up your new email address. Then when you log in, email starts coming in and you can migrate your other email to it. You can just point your Gmail or Yahoo or Outlook accounts directly to your hey.com account so you can get email coming in. And then you start with what they call the screener. All your email is listed as it comes in, and there's a little yes and no button, a little thumbs up, thumb down, thumbs down, and you just have to answer, hey, do you want to get email from these people? And if you say no, they go away. They just disappear. Hey, we'll never show you those people again. They're just gone. If you say yes, you have some options, right? The first is, this is what they call important, so it goes in the inbox, I-M-B-O-X. The important mail is in the inbox, 
right? But you could also put mail in what they call the feed. And that's like your evening briefing from the New York Times. It's like your, you know, it's the stuff you want to read, maybe, but you scan it. It's not store emails. It's not coupons. It's just it's like take control ADHD it's take newsletter. Take control ADHD newsletter. It's in your casual mm-hmm. reads. Although I would say take control ADHD newsletter is important, important. and should be in your inbox. Inbox. And then there's <laughs> finally right. the paper trail. And the paper trail is where all your transactions go. So receipts and, you know, bookings and airlines, that kind of a thing. And then finally, there's a reply later where you just say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to get back to this person later. And then there's a whole list where you can reply to all of these messages at once. Like you just, hey, you know, quick little notifications. Uh, and um, and and that's it. I mean, it is uh, it is an incredibly uh, fascinating uh, reinvention of just how you interact with email. It's one of many, frankly. There are a number of apps that allow you to control how you see email. There are apps out there that actually turn your email essentially into a chat app where you get a new message from a sender, but it just looks like, you know, bubbles <laughs> so that you don't see any subject lines or attachments. It's just, it looks like chat apps, um, but it's essentially just using email as the back end for that. Um, you can do, I mean, it's just, it's really fascinating. So if you, if you want to check it out, it's Hey, H E Y, like, Hey, you check out this new email thing (laughs) at Hey.com. There is a half, the the CEO does a 37 minute walkthrough of the entire tool because, you know, he wants you to know what you're getting into if you have to pay 99 bucks for it. Um, yeah, there is a free trial. Uh, you can check it out there. Um, it, it is, you know, it's, it's one in a line of companies trying to do something different with email, but it is, um, it's one that looks, looks pretty great. If you are struggling and really need a push to getting your email in order and you feel like you can't do it yourself, a service like Hey is the ultimate sort of technological accountability buddy. Interesting. Might be. You're always in front of these new trends. Well, I don't know. How this one's pretty pee? hot right now. This one is <laughs> this one's all the 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 rage in the tech circles. And I'm getting, I'm starting to get more email from people who have hey.com email accounts uh over just over the last couple of weeks. And so I think it's um if you need some email help, this could be it for you. Uh, Mostly because like, it's a thing we've been talking about for years. Like your email inbox is a, it's like a drunk, like Joker sitting on your couch behind you. Right. It's just, it doesn't, you don't (laughs) owe that idiot anything. Like he's just trying to make your life hard. That is such an interesting vision. Take the bottle away. Yeah, no, take the (laughs) bottle away from that guy. Sober him up. Don't let him control Control your day. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So, Melissa, talk about search, because I know that that's something that interests people. Because I know that a lot of times what I will hear is they'll keep emails because they can search for them. I have one archive folder and everything goes into it. I don't have multiple folders for different uh, categories. It all goes into one archive folder because the search function for most of your usual uh, Mm -hmm. email clients is very advanced and can pull out keywords from either subject lines or emails or addresses and bring those up for you to easily find what you're looking for if you have to go back to something that you previously archived. And I use it all the time. 
to just quickly mm-hmm. search for something that I need and pull it up and continue on my day. It's all about the least amount of steps to get to what you need so that you can keep going. I always use it to get email addresses. So if there's somebody that that I need to email and I don't have it in my inbox for whatever reason, I'll search for it. And uh, yeah, I use it quite a bit too. Well, we'll put in the show notes, the the search operators, the, the terms and tools that you can use in Gmail, for example. And I would encourage you to look for, uh, you know, whatever your platform is, what are the search operators you can use with Outlook? What are the search operators you can use with Yahoo? An example, um, you know, if you want to find all messages from a specific sender, this is very basic, right? Just type from colon, and then the name, like from colon Nikki will show me every Everything Nikki has ever sent me. And you can use just a name or a full email address, whatever you want. That's, you know, you can find it that way. Uh, sub, same with two colon, CC colon, BCC colon, subject colon. Uh, all of those allow you to search those specific fields in Gmail straight from the little search box right at the top. Um, you can also have uh, search multiple terms, right? That uh, So if you want to search for everything from Melissa or Nikki, all you have to do is use curly quotes, right? The little decorative, decorative uh, brackets, not quotes. Uh, use, uh, put in brackets from colon Melissa space from colon Nikki, and it will show me a results list of every email that has been sent to me from Melissa or Nikki, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them. So that's a quick way to find something. If you're not quite sure who sent it to you, but you know kind of who it might have been, uh, that's super easy. You can remove messages from the search result, right? So I can say, uh, I want to search for dinner space minus ADHD. And so then I will find all the messages that are that are about dinner, but not ADHD-related dinners, <laughs> If there's an event right. around an ADHD event, uh, then I can remove that from from the search results, which is super fun. Uh, you can use all kinds of different uh, search operators uh, from mailing lists, exact words or phrases. Like if you're if you're at all experienced in sort of, I, I think you can actually use regex uh, search in Gmail because it is. Uh, it's designed by engineers and they actually know how that works. If you know what that term means, you know who you are, you should try it and see what you can get out of Gmail search. Can I do just a little bit of a summary? Um, Because I'm just thinking, all right, I've got a client that comes to me and says, I want to talk about email. And I have, you know, 20,000 emails in my inbox. I have three different accounts. Um, So, from what I'm hearing you guys say, one of the things that we would want to do, or one of the very first things to do is to to get those accounts into one place. And that's where you use like Spark or Airmail, right? Those are the type mm-hmm. of uh, services that you would adopt and mm-hmm. get those places or get everything into one place. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking at these different questions about what you want your inbox, how you want your inbox to work for you. Um, what do you want to accomplish? Uh, I think it's probably also looking at like what's valuable, what's not, right? Uh, 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 an email from your professor or an email from your boss is very different than an email from Wayfair, right? right. So trying to also kind of figure out where your value of email is. At that point, then you know sort of what the workflow is going to look like going forward. 
I'm still stuck on then at that, if that's, if I've gone through the questions, I've got everything in one place, then do I archive or do I go through and delete or do I, can I pick things out? Like, could I pick out my boss's emails? Like you were talking about with the search and keep those or put them in a file? Like what, what would I do? Does that make sense? Well, I'll tell you, but if you're, if you're asking me, I archive. I like archive. And, and let's just talk a little bit what archive is uh, in the Gmail, Yahoo kind of universe. Uh, iCloud also has an archive mentality. It, it was really started by Gmail when Gmail came out because it was unique, right? It, before then, uh, it, email came in and it was folder-based. It was just, if it lived in the inbox, that was kind of the one version of that email. And if you deleted it, it was gone. Uh, if you moved it to another folder, that was the copy of the email that lived in that folder. And if you delete it from that folder, it's gone. Well, then Gmail comes along and they have this archive, right? This, it's it, In Gmail, it's called all mail, right? And you have to imagine it like a giant bucket, and that is where all of your email lives. If you go into all mail, you'll see a disorganized, just date, you know, descending date uh, uh, list of all email that you've ever received. And then it's grouped by messages that you have sent back to it. So it's, you know, they, they call them discussions in Gmail. So, you know, you'll see a message from Nikki. And then if you click on it, it will show you the list of all the messages. I came back to Nikki. She wrote back to me. I wrote back to Nikki. They're all, they're all there. But all the messages are in all mail. Inbox is just a fancy filter of new messages that have arrived into all mail. When you remove a message from the inbox, it still lives in all mail right? Unless you actually kind of right-click on it or click the specific trash can icon. If you just... To delete it. Yeah, to delete it, right? What it's really doing is just removing that message from the all-mail inbox filter. All of your other labels that are folders down the side, there's little tags down the side of your sidebar in Gmail, those are just more labels, just like the inbox. That means you can have an email and put it in a label that's receipts and have that same email be represented in a list from United Airlines, right? Mm -hmm. And that would be in separate emails, but it's still just one email. It's just those two labels are just reflections of uh, e emails filtered out of all mail, right? So, what I like to do in, uh, in my inbox is if I'm declaring sort of email bankruptcy, I select everything in my inbox and I select archive. I don't delete, mm -hmm. I archive because all that's doing is removing it from my inbox and creating this sort of clean slate for me to start with, with a, yeah. without deleting the messages. Nothing's going to trash. It's all living exactly where it's been living all along, which is in the bucket that read our all mail. You know how you have so much storage space? Yeah. Does that does that affect your email buckets too? So like let's say you archive everything. At some point does that start to get deleted just because you not, are not so without full? them telling you you're running out of space, right? Gmail okay. in particular, right. they have a they there is a limit and you can buy additional more, space, more right? Space yeah. If yeah, you yeah, want. Absolutely. Yeah. You can okay. subscribe to more space. You know, for a buck ninety nine a month, you you can get enough space that most people will never have to question their email again. Right. But remember right. everything is tied into that storage that comes into email. So if you are somebody who sends and receives large attachments right, then those attachments count 
toward your file storage, right, toward your email storage. And so you can use up your storage pretty quickly if you use email essentially as a file manager. Uh, so be aware of that. You, there are some things you might want to delete just because it, it ends up taking up a lot of space. I'm one of those people who just, I, I just, I just pay up for the storage. Just pay up. I don't want to think about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, right. The cost of not think thinking it about it is important. Yeah. Um, so there's a question here in the live feed that says, why archive versus just letting it sit in the inbox? Can I try to answer that from what you just said? Yes. I can't wait. Okay. So yeah, right. I know. Me too. I'm very excited <laughs> about this. Uh, <laughs> so my guess is that we don't want to keep it in the inbox because the inbox is supposed to be for really working current email that you need to reference to. So if you don't need it, archive it because it's just cluttering the inbox. It's just getting you into this whole cycle of having 20, 30,000 emails if you're keeping everything in the inbox. It's not working. Right. Well, and I would I would add a caveat to that because I don't want it to sound prescriptive. Like there are people mm -hmm. who are not overwhelmed by that experience. And so right. I would say if you're in a position where your inbox is causing you stress and you don't know what to do, then select all and archive. Right. And right. then you have a clean slate, just like Nikki said. Um, and and that can that can free you up. But um, if it doesn't stress you out and you're totally fine and you can use the search bu button yep. and get what you need, then that's what we're saying is that that's okay. This yeah. That's fine too. We're, yeah, it's your system. And remember, the beauty of, of this sort of modern email management is that you can have an email that lives in all mail. It's like rooted in all mail, but you can live in as many labels, as many folders as you want, right? Because it's all just, all those labels are just showing you essentially a saved search that says, hey, Pete has associated this email with travel and with receipts and with upcoming trips and with uh, visiting the grandparents. And those right. are all labels that I would use. And uh, then I would be able to click on those labels and see them all in one place. So When you say labels, is that the same thing as folders? It is. If you're operating inside of Gmail, it's called labels. They don't, they don't use the okay. word folders. But many email applications like Spark, like uh, Airmail, I think they use the word folders. And it's just, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I'm okay. pretty sure, you know, Outlook and Yahoo, they use the word folders. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I, I know Gmail has really been sticky with the term labels. So I'm going to try to answer another question. Do it. The difference between archive folders and just leaving in the inbox. Go ahead. So archive, you're just putting it all away where you can't see it, but you still have access to it. Yes. Folders or labels, mm -hmm. depending on what you're using, mm -hmm. are those little things on the side yes. of your email <laughs> where yes. you may be moving email. So like I have a folder for bills. So anything that's a bill or a receipt, I slip into that, what I call folder, but right. you could also say a label, right? right? So it is the same thing as the inbox. It's just that you're separating it from the inbox and you're putting it somewhere else, but it's still in your all all mail because all, all mail. mail is where everything goes. And then the inbox is where all of the new stuff goes. And you have to decide if you want to keep it in the inbox, put it in the label, archive it or delete it. Do I have it? You do. I'm so you proud. 
Yeah, I know. Yay! I am so proud. <laughs> I, 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 one more thing on deleting, though, and this is this is kind of important. You have a little bit of runway on deleting. If you click the little trash can, if you're in all mail and you see a message and you're like, I never want to see that again, and you select the little checkbox and you click the trash can at the top of it, it will send that to the trash. The trash is on a rolling 30-day purge. So anything you drop in there today will not actually be deleted until 30 days from now. And so mm-hmm. anything that you deleted 29 days ago will delete tomorrow. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that rolling 30 days gives you a chance to say, oh, wait a minute, I put something in the trash two weeks ago that I need to make sure I have. Uh, once it's out and, and purged from your trash, it's gone forever. You can always go in and, um, you know, and, and manually purge your trash at any time and say, even I, I want to purge everything, even if it's not 30 days. But, but it is generally a 30-day rolling trash. Um, the other question that, that has come up is, when you archive it, does it make it smaller, like a zip archive? And that's an important important question because I know zip has and compression has already kind of got the the language of archive uh, down. It does not. There is no compression going on in your email at all. Nothing is getting, being made smaller. It is. It doesn't take up less space because all you're doing is removing the email from your inbox. You're not doing anything to the main version of that email that lives in your all mail bucket. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. That's email. Did we win email? That's been, this is an epic email. This was very helpful. And I feel like as a coach, I have a a better idea of like what questions to ask and how to get them started and to feel more comfortable about the process. Melissa is a great example of how that can happen. And Pete, you've always been a great example. Well, so I live to serve. Uh, I think I think that's it, Melissa. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Melissa, for yeah, being here. Thank you, guys, for having me. It's really weird to be saying that, but it was fun. <laughs> it's so fun. It's always fun to have you around and in these shows. And I can't wait for our next members only series. We were supposed to have done that in July, and then I got sick, so we that need to regroup. Pete. Well, we're glad that to have Pete. you back and healthy and. Being, being your Pete self. Thank you. I'm That's glad right. to be there too. So thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Melissa Batchelor and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>